Hey, listener, this is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We are actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to UpMyInfluence.com slash guest. Let's get on with the show. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Jen Amos. And today I have with me the founder and CEO of Unicorn, Dom Einhorn, um, which Einhorn actually means unicorn in German. And you can learn more about him and his company at his website, unicornincubator.com. And later in this conversation, we're going to talk about an amazing upcoming event coming in October 2021 called the Startup Super Cup, which you can learn more about at the website, startupsupercup.com. Dom, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, it's a new year, so I thought I'd ask, do you feel any different from 2020? I'm not sure if I feel any older than I felt 10 years ago, you know, <laughs> but uh, once you once you turn 50, you stop counting. <laughs> That's so funny. I, you know, growing up, I was very fortunate to, um, you know, have friends who were, you know, very much in their 40s and 50s. And, um, you know, they always tell they always told me that once I passed 30, they said, like, you know, your birthdays just kind of get quieter and quieter, like every year, you just sort of stop celebrating it. (laughs) And you don't count your age in months anymore. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, Well, I guess I kind of look forward to that day where age is just a number. Um, and, uh, and I don't have to worry about that so much, but, um, yeah. Uh, well, Dom, for people that are learning about unicorn for the first time, uh, which I think is really clever considering that your last name means unicorn in German, um, let people know what's your company about and who do you love to serve? Sure. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Yes. Mm-hmm. Einhorn means unicorn. When I go to a German tech conference, people think I changed my name, but, uh, <laughs> it is actually my birth name. Unicorn, a slight little play on words. Uh, we use a Q for those of you who are looking us up at unicorninkubator.com. It's with a Q. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spend the better part of my adult life in the US, in particular in Los Angeles on the West Coast, uh, mm-hmm. as well as in Panama, Central America for three or four years. And I've assembled an amazing team by uh, living and working outside of France and outside of the US. So today we're roughly 30 people at Unicorn. Mm-hmm hailing from 18 different nationalities. Wow. Majority female versus male, uh, not by design, by pure chance and luck, I shall say. Mm -hmm. And basically what we're building is we're building an ecosystem that understands the gap that exists between investors and startups. Mm -hmm. When I say I understand the gap, our team understands the gap, is that there is somewhat of an expectation gap between startup founders and investors Mm -hmm. that we intend to bridge. Mm -hmm. Usually the way I sum it up is that startups usually broadcast on FM while investors listen to AM, right? So different expectations on both sides. I, in my earlier years, uh, I launched many startups, some of which failed, others that succeeded. Uh, And in more recent years, last eight years or so, I've become a pretty aggressive angel investor. Mm -hmm. So uh, I can quickly turn the tables and understand what each party would like to get out of the relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much what we're doing here. So we're focused on pure tech. We only do technology, uh, Mm -hmm. meaning that we touch on uh, artificial intelligence, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, 
fintech, educational technologies, more recently, agri-tech, agri agricultural technologies, mm -hmm. digital media, et cetera, et cetera. So anything that does not touch upon tech, doesn't have a heavy dose of tech involvement, we're not interested in. That's not what we know, right? Mm -hmm. we're, so we're a specialist in our field. Second thing that makes us different is that every deal that comes through our doors, I am personally invested in. The reason why that's important for those startup founders who listen who are listening to us today is that uh, when you're trying to build a network of investors who will basically support your vision, it's mm -hmm. important to have someone at the early stage that buys into your vision, even if it's your grandmother. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're not able to convince your grandmother, you're not going to be convincing me or pretty much any other investor. It's important to understand those nuances, right? Mm -hmm. But when we step in and we're usually the seed funder or we're part of the funding, the seed funding team, mm -hmm. and another investor is being pitched, I can tell them, hey, I'm in. Not only is my cash on the line, but our, my, our entire team is behind that project. Mm -hmm. So that investor, he thinks about that project completely differently because I have skin in the game before he comes in because nobody wants to be first in line. Mm -hmm. Then last but not least, we made before COVID, the, took the proactive decision of moving into a rural area away mm -hmm. from big city, way mm -hmm. before COVID, two and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And initially when we made the decision, it was primarily a personal lifestyle decision. When I turned 50, I said, look, I don't want to live in Los Angeles anymore and have to get up at 4.30 in the morning to mm -hmm drive 15 miles in 30 minutes versus three hours if I right. get up at six, mm -hmm. uh, smog, et cetera, et cetera. You know? mm -hmm. So if you truly a believer in the power of technology of the internet, you should be able to work from anywhere today. Uh, mm -hmm. And tomorrow you should be able to work from Mars. And some people are setting up to do that, right? Okay. So it's not, as, not by any means a long stretch to go to the Southwest of France in a 25-mile radius from where we are, we have 1,001 medieval castles. You have the second most pristine river in Europe called the Dordogne River. You have mm. rafting. You've got rock climbing, you crazy mountain biking, hiking, whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. While at the same time, being able to launch your startup within an ecosystem that's going to be nurturing you along. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, clear definition between incubation and acceleration. You mentioned that early on during the conversation where we take an American approach to incubation. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Is that if you come to us as a startup, you at the very least have a light proof of concept. Mm -hmm. Let's assume your target is B2C business to consumer and you're launching a mobile app. Don't come to me with an idea of a mobile app that you intend to launch that app would need to be on the market mm -hmm. and it would have generated, I don't know, 500,000 downloads with your own efforts before mm -hmm. pitching it to us. And clearly it has to have what we call product market fit. It has to actually have resonate with your audience, et cetera, et cetera. So the financial checks are being taken care of by one of my founding partners who is a certified financial analyst. Everything that's marketing related comes to me. And on that front, what we're looking, on, looking at first and foremost is our ability to have a direct and immediate impact on that startup very, very quickly as they move in. So mm -hmm. those are pretty much the three guiding principles that we live by. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like I have so many uh, things to point out. I really love that you are personally invested in the startups that work with you. Um, I like how you're willing to have skin in the game um, and kind of set that example for other investors. Uh, I'm, I'm more, I'm most curious to know about um, the gap that you talked about, the gap between startups and investors. And I love the analogy you used that, you know, usually startups broadcast an AM while investors broadcast an FM. Can you tell us about that that gap, that disconnect between the two? Well, very much so. So let's go back to 1993, 1995, when I launched my first uh, digital media startup before it was fashionable to do so. Mm-hmm. And I pitched my first investor. Or, you know, we had a conversation. I was explaining to him what I was working on and what I was building. And his question was, uh, so how much are you looking to raise? And uh, is this uh, seed? is this seed money or is this Series A? Mm-hmm. I had no idea what he was talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have terminology that's right there. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't learn that terminology in school because, unfortunately, while they're popping up, they're starting to pop up. There is no such thing as startup school. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's an effort and an adjustment that's very much needed on both sides of the table. Mm-hmm. The investor needs to understand, for example, that when he's pitching to a young startupper, that startupper doesn't necessarily know his lingo. He doesn't understand corporate finance. He doesn't understand financing rounds. He doesn't understand use of proceeds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. The young startup entrepreneur very often gets scared because he tends to be more on the shy side, especially Mm -hmm. if he's an engineer, Mm -hmm. and he gets quickly lost, and the communication breaks down, right? Mm -hmm. Or worse, a deal may be made with false expectations Mm -hmm. on either side. So that's very, very dangerous and is not conducive to a successful long-term relationship. Mm -hmm. So there's some ground rules, for example, that I use today as an investor, as an angel investor, when assessing whether or not to work with a startup. Mm -hmm. And some of it may sound funny uh, because the first question I ask myself, if a guy comes in and he's pitching me his startup, Mm -hmm. whether he's a fisherman or not, I'm asking myself the first, the first question, would I go fishing with that guy and for how long? Mm. In other mm-hmm. words, the test is, will we get along? Assuming we're confined in a log, in a, in a log cabin somewhere for two or three weeks, right. would he drive me nuts? Would I drive him nuts? Right? Mm-hmm. So ground rules, you know, use your gut instinct, whether you're an investor or whether you're a startup. Uh, mm-hmm. because very quickly those issues are going to be popping up whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. So don't just make an intellectual decision because very much so as you're going through the growing pains, it will become quickly an emotional decision. And usually that emotional decisions leads all others. We all know mm-hmm. this, right? Mm-hmm. We may meet someone in our lives, startup or not, investor or not, that we get along with very well in the first mm-hmm. five to 10 minutes. And uh, we do some kind of a deal. We agree to something, right? Mm-hmm. We go on a bike ride together, not necessarily fishing for those of you who don't fish. And then we realize maybe that wasn't the right thing to do. And then we have this awkward moment where either he speaks up or you speak up and say, maybe, you know, it's like a dating game, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. we shouldn't date anymore. Or maybe, I mean, it's very awkward at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is you can... Take a little bit of hindsight and make that decision. If the gut feeling is not there from the start, don't engage or at least don't engage immediately and let it simmer for a while, right? And then make a decision as to whether or not to engage at a later time when you know that person better. 
Yeah. So it's like, rather than kind of making that impulsive decision, like, oh, I think this is going to work. It's going to be great to sleep on it. Right. And to kind of let that marinate and see for yourself, like, you know what, like I thought about it. Um, you know, I don't think I'd want to go fishing with you like for hours on end for me nowadays, because we're, we're practicing social distancing for anyone that I meet in person. My, my mindset's not, my mindset. Now the question I ask myself is, can I take my dog on a walk with this person? <laughs> because it's going to be a long walk and I'm going to see if we're able to, you know, connect in that way. So that's kind of my approach. Um, when I think about the question that you shared about the fishing thing. Um, but but yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Feel free to add upon that if if that. Yeah. The dog works for me as well, right? Mm -hmm. I don't see any issues with that. Uh, there, there are a number of of different things I would probably mention in terms of uh, you know that what I call the expectation gap mm -hmm. is if you're an entrepreneur, startup entrepreneur, and you're pitching an investor, mm -hmm. you tend to believe the rookie startup entrepreneur tends to believe that the shinier the object the more the investor will be interested when mm -hmm. it's in fact exactly the opposite. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you're trying to aggressively while being challenged, mm -hmm. defend your point of view, that will, nothing will turn off the investor more than that. Mm -hmm. Right. So be more realistic and tell the investor, you know what? And there obviously we're a young startup. There is a high likelihood that this project may fail. Mm -hmm. The investor is a sophisticated guy in most cases. He will respect you for that. And your chances of actually getting investment, securing investment is going to be way higher than just trying to say, no, 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 no. Clearly, he wants to know that you're passionate and that you can defend your, your, your position. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, don't cross that line where sometimes I, I sometimes feel insulted because I have industry data that mm -hmm. shows exactly the opposite of what the, the entrepreneur is claiming to be the case. Mm -hmm. And he's challenging me on something without actually having the knowledge to defend his position. So I usually shy away very, very quickly from mm -hmm. that kind of a deal. Right? right. So it sounds like they're trying to oversell, but you know the data. Very much so. Mm -hmm. Very much so. And you know, you can ask rhetorical questions and very quickly you get to the bottom. Uh, you're either in the worst case being lied to or you're being told something that's just not the truth. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, just a recap, one of the ground rules you mentioned is asking yourself that question, would I go fishing with this person and for how long? Um, and then uh, the expectation gap you mentioned of, you know, the shinier, the object, the, what is it? Um, the, the false, the false fact here is that the shinier, the object, the more the investor will be interested. And you're saying that is false. That's not true. Um, are there any other ground rules um, that you sort of look out for in choosing a startup? I think the other thing you have to look for is timing. Mm. So if you're pitching, sometimes as an investor or the other way around, when I used to actually pitch investors, you, you want to give yourself enough time to accomplish what you're setting yourself out to do. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is that you cannot expect to jump on LinkedIn, look for seed investor find me or one of my colleagues and just jump at them with your pitch deck and then harass them three hours later. Did you get it? Did you have a chance to read through it? What do you think? Et cetera, et cetera. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. So be a little smarter than that. Right. Hint at certain things, send them a pitch deck. If you requests one, not before, mm -hmm. because I personally get probably 80 or hundred pitch decks a day from LinkedIn unrequested. It's wow. literally like spam. That's the way I look at it. I didn't yeah. ask for this. Why are you sending me this? And right. then if they try to defend why they did it, 
I've already have a somewhat of a stigma, right? Because it's almost too late. You've even if you're the best startup since sliced bread, you've pretty much you know lost your case already by by doing that. So instead of doing that, try to be engaging. Try to instead of blasting away messages blindly, really analyze what this person is interested in. Ask him a few questions. And once you have the engagement, ask him if it's okay if I send you my deck because I'd like to get your professional opinion about what it is that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And then once that's done, if he's reviewed the deck, yes, you can see if he followed up and ask him again for permission. Would you mind jumping on a Zoom Gmeet uh, Microsoft Teams call as a follow-up? Mm-hmm. If he says yes to that, then you have a real lead. Then you have mm-hmm. someone you've been able to hook, Right. Mm-hmm. And I think hook points are very important for all of us to to build and to define in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Because in a world of social media, where we're scrolling through social media feeds within a split second, you have to somewhat build the ability of breaking through that clutter within mm-hmm. two seconds or less, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to really work on those hook points without being overly pushy and salesy, as you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you have to figure out what it is that would engage your target with the idea that if you truly engage that target, he or she will give you the opportunity and the discretion to tell her more about yourself. But first, you have to be able to make that first instant connection before you go further. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Building trust is very important um, and everything. So thank you for elaborating on that. So um, Dom, let's talk about like once they're part of your ecosystem. So, you know, you have these startups and investors working together and the key word you brought up earlier is nurture. Can you give us maybe a snapshot of what it would look like for I startups can say, and investors? I can investors tell you're a person who zeroes in very quickly on certain keywords. <laughs> I do. So <laughs> nurturing, if you look at the definition of an incubator, mm-hmm. at the origin, an incubator is a baby incubator at a hospital, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So obviously the... I'm not saying that's the ideal nurture environment because you ideally your mother is nurturing you, right? But at least it's a cocoon. It's something where you feel comfortable, where you come in. You know that if you have a question or concern, it's being answered to. Uh, so we are developing a concierge service, for example, mm-hmm. uh, which basically will allow a startup entrepreneur to integrate Unicorn. It's a turnkey operation. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have your accountant set up, your lawyers are set up, you have an entire team behind you. If you need a graphic designer, if you need development, mm-hmm. uh, if you need marketing advice, instead of isolating yourself and building your startup in your garage, mm-hmm. nothing against because some of the biggest successes were built that way. At least we're being told that was the case. I believe there is a better way of interacting with people who have been there, who have done that. If you run into a challenge, you lift your hand, somebody comes over and says, what's the problem? Mm-hmm. He or she will help you on the spot uh, instead of you just like trying to break your, your head over an issue for sometimes weeks on end and getting very frustrated and discouraged. Mm-hmm. So that's its entire, you know, the nurture part comes as part of the ecosystem. It's the DNA of the ecosystem itself. Mm-hmm. It's not something that one particular person does. It's what the group as a whole does it's the value that the team brings to a specific project by being able to surround that young startup team that, or that entrepreneur with a lot of leverage and a lot of uh, advice. Mm-hmm. You know, Dom, I really love that model because, you know, um, when I think about investors, first of all, I've 
I find them intimidating. It's like, oh, like they have the money, I need the money, you know? So I can imagine when you describe the startup who uh, is shy and is, you know, because they're typically an engineer and, and kind of like that gap between communicating, you know, with the investor. And so what I really love about this incubator uh, you uh, have created is um, it's a win-win situation for everyone. It's not like the investors like, hey, here's the money, like figure it out. It's like everyone is working together. And I, I agree with you. I think that's so much better than, you know, a startup working in the garage, you know, um, supposedly, like you said, that's what um, people say uh, has made them successful. But I do think that the most successful businesses were a result of a team. It was a team effort. 100% right. I think, mm-hmm. you know, as a team builder, I'm basically building a puzzle. Mm. Let's assume that puzzle has 100 pieces, consists of 100 pieces. Mm -hmm. The last piece I need is another me because I cannot put it on that table Mm -hmm. when I may have a gaping hole on the left and the right. So my objective is to find the perfect pieces that interlock with each other, Mm -hmm. right? So if you take me, uh, even though I'm a tech guy and I have been since 1993, I still take two hours to put together an Excel spreadsheet, right? Mm -hmm. Clearly, that's not something I'm good at. I don't like it to begin with. So I'm going to delegate that to someone else mm-hmm. who is much faster, much more efficient than I am, right? Uh, it's just a very simple example. Uh, but if you, if, you're, if you are a startup entrepreneur, ultimately, the reason why you're launching yourself in this, in this venture is to ultimately succeed. Mm-hmm. In order to succeed at some point in time, you will need to scale, which means that at the very onset, if you prepare for success and not failure, you need to at least think, how are you going to do that? Mm-hmm. An individual, humans do not scale by definition. Technology mm-hmm. is scalable, right? So mm-hmm. you have to build your systems, your workflow, your human resources. Think about yourself. Where is your startup going to be in five years? How many employees is it going to have, right? Mm-hmm. How is it going to be breaking down between sales, admin, development, human resources, et cetera? Figure out all of these departments by visualizing where you want to be in five years, you actually set a pace, a mental pace that will actually guide you towards that success that actually makes it possible. The same way athletes visualize, Usain Bolt visualizes a 100-meter dash before he runs it, right? Mm -hmm. And he rehearses in his mind over and over what may or may not go wrong. That's Mm -hmm. exactly what you need to do. So you have to be able to anticipate and kind of like live through that via proper visualization what success and what failure may look like and how you're going to course correct in case you do fail. Mm -hmm. And on the notion of failure, a lot of people look at failure as something bad, right? Something negative. Oh my God, I failed. Right. When in fact, it's the exact opposite. Failures, many failures are a stepping stone to the ultimate success. You cannot succeed without failing many, many times first. Mm-hmm. But the key principle to respect is that to make these, these many failures the least painful and the least costly as possible. So fail quickly and fail cheaply, hmm. right? The best case in point to illustrate what I'm talking about right now is Thomas Edison, who famously invented the light bulb. Mm-hmm. And when the press asked him uh, the reason, you know, why, what was the main reason why he succeeded where so many others have failed be, before him? His answer was, because I finally ran out of things that did not work. <laughs> In other words, I failed so many times. Mm-hmm. I could not fail anymore. And all of a sudden, boom, one success, and that's all it takes, mm-hmm. right? 
in my early years, when I moved to the U.S. from France, I'm talking about Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-
and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.